Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rock Out Loud. It's the Rockinest Podcast in the Goloverse, the Rockinest Podcast in all the land. My name is Steve Glosson. So happy to be along with you as today we're going to do something we absolutely love to do on this show, and that is celebrate the rock music of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. Of course, I'm talking about the band that's bringing you the dulcet tones you're hearing right now. Dead Flatbird. I'm not alone, though. Of course I'm not alone. I can't do this by myself. I don't have the knowledge or the wherewithal. But I tell you who does. She is the rockinest chick in all the land. She's bringing the knowledge, she's bringing the hype, she's bringing the passion. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all of our friends. It's Kristen in Jersey. What's going on, Kristen? Hi, everybody. It's not Saturday night, but I do. It is just me and my wine right now, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> Must be Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's get right into this thing and explain what we're doing today. Um, yeah. It's an anniversary, one of those major anniversary years, right, for, for High and Dry? It is, yeah. I mean, it is 40 years old, uh, two months ago, but basically two months to the day. It's able to drive now. Uh, that and more. Yeah, over the <laughs> hill, as it were. <laughs> it's so old that it can it can, could be drafted. It's old enough, right? Right, But right. they would look at it and go, no, you're too old. Yeah, you're too old for the draft, yeah. <laughs> but it's so good! Yeah, who knew High and Dry was, a, um, was one of the last of the Gen Xers? Uh, that's that's really what we're looking at here. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, you know what's funny about like this record in general is I feel like like your metal fans that are like, oh yeah, like Def Leppard, everything after High and Dry sucks. It's like they're like that's the best right. album. It all ended after that. Yep. And then you have other people that like don't even know this album exists. Right. Well, this is um this is what's funny is is there is uh, the show that I listen to most of the time on in the mornings Rick and Bubba, mm -hmm. which I know sounds absolutely redneck to everyone, and they you know I mean they're southern, and um, but they uh they the 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 host his brother the host the main host is Rick Burgess, and about twelve years ago or so his brother came on with them. His brother had worked power like the power company for years and years and just been kind of a drop-in guest every now and again just coming in for a bit here and there okay and um and and so uh, several years ago there was an opening and, and rick said why don't you just come with us well the thing about rick and his brother greg is they grew up listening to you know music just all the all the best music all you know that kind of stuff well um 
every now and again they'll play a track from you know coming in or going out of commercial they'll play a track from Def Leppard and it without fail Greg's always like well you know what I liked him till they till they brought on that pyromania stuff he's like their first little albums are great like he will he puts over um he puts over their early stuff and then from okay, pyro- so their first two their own the two albums that's it right exactly <laughs> But, like, that's so true, though. Like, it's literally, like, I mean, I listen to a, I watch a couple, um, like, podcasts on YouTube that are, like, a bit more metal-focused. And, like, they do a ton of different topics and stuff, which is super fun for me. But some stuff, it's just, like, yo, that's not my music genre, so I don't watch it. But every single time they start talking about Def Leppard, they're like, yeah, you know, Hysteria and Pyromania sucks. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I feel so attacked. And I don't understand Why can't that. We yeah, love all of it? right. I don't. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm like, but I like the. I like the pyromania. It's like I also like high and dry, but come on, pyromania is great. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then they'll all be like, "Oh, it's mutt lying." It's like, mm, no, I have a hole to blow in your theory. <laughs> he produced high and dry. That's you know I was going to say that as we got into things that 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 surprisingly this was produced by mutt lying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which, so it's going to be interesting as we go through this because, you know, there are a few songs that like Bring It On The Heartbreak is on this album, you know, and that's, I guess that's kind of the big song from this album, the the one that everyone would kind of know, I guess. Um, yeah. That begins to really sound like what, like it belongs on Pyromania or Hysteria. Um, it's like the launch pad. Yeah. So, so we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into all that. And. But what's interesting is, you know, I absolutely, uh, because I'm an idiot, um, I saw on the Def Leppard vault where they were doing like a live stream talking about this album and everything. And I'm like, well, this is really exciting. This would be something great. So I got to, I'm like, are you doing this? You're like, well, I thought about it. And so you did it. And um, thanks to Patreon and all that good stuff. And um, Yeah, thanks, Patreon. <laughs> and I absolutely just forgot to buy a ticket to watch it mm. myself. And so, <laughs> which I meant to. I meant to do that, you know, but uh, but I messed up there. So, so I'll be bringing you all that knowledge. That's right. So as we listen through this, Kristen's going to be really laying some knowledge down based on a lot of things, you know, number one, your knowledge, but then two, being able to see them actually go through the album and talk about it. And, and you were really excited they talked about the B-side a lot. Oh, I mean... We'll get into it. But, like, the thing is, is, like, we all know about Side A. We all know High and Dry, Let It Go. Like, we know all these, all those big songs, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But Side B is so good. Yeah. has, like, freaking Lady Strange and Mirror Mirror and No, No, No. Like, all these really good songs. And I'm like, we never hear about those songs. Right, right. Well, now we do. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's, so we'll get into all of that. Um, I can't think of anything else we need to get into before we get going. I will say this, that, um, you know, we've talked about this on the show a time or two before and, um, I, you know, I have an affinity because of my certain nostalgia and and the music that I kind of grew up listening to, uh, for Christian rock. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of my favorite, uh, bands of all time is a band called Petra and, um, and so I was just, the other day I was just kind of, just on a whim. You know how sometimes you just do things on a whim? Yeah. I got to look around, I'm like, I wonder if, you know, what it would take to get a few of their vinyls. You know, because I'm like, that'd be kind of fun to have. It's something I never even thought I'd want or have. And 
And I always toy with maybe starting with some, not that I need to, I, I collect too much stuff as it is, but I thought, you know <laughs> I was what? I say, you have a whole room dedicated to your collectibles. Right, right. And, and, but I thought, wouldn't it be kind of fun to have a few of these things that, that I never had? Well, come to find out, they're doing limited runs of some of these, of some of these albums from back in the early eighties, uh, of this band. And like, my favorite album by then they're doing like a green vinyl release oh, and it looks so it, it looks so cool <laughs> so you have to get that i feel like i do i feel like i do but then i see these others with like a blue and a purple vinyl release and i'm like maybe i should just get all three just bundle it and be done you know i don't know i'm really thinking now but then it's like the, i know me though this will Once be get started it'll begin an obsession it's like Pringles. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. That's right. That's right. You know, it really is. With me, I've I've discovered, and it's something I guess I should have known years ago, but it's something. It's really only come in the last six months or so that I've realized I will get on a kick when it comes to my collecting, mm. and I don't just. The problem is, is I don't just be like, well, you know what? I'll buy a few of these things here. I go whole hog. I'm like, what is the, what, how can I make the most out of this particular hobby? I need shelving. I need lighting. I need, I need, you know, and then the other, the other day I picked up some comics, you know, as you do sometimes. And I got to looking online about some things and I see people cleaning comics and pressing comics, you know, to flatten them. I'm like, well, I need to get a heat press and start pressing my comics. You know, I'm, I'm like, but I, I haven't, you know, but it's like, it's there now and it becomes this like mini obsession that last for a little while and then it moves on. And I know that's what will happen with vinyl. I'll be like, well, what's the best turntable I can get? Where can I, can I hook that into the computer? I need a USB turntable. It's actually going to be quality. I need to learn how to clean and change the needle out just to make, like, I'll go, I'll go whole hog. Full vinyl geek. <laughs> it, it'll be ridiculous for like eight months. And then it'll be like, what am I doing with all these? But you could probably do some damage in eight months, Steve. Well, that's the problem. I could do a lot of damage in eight months. <laughs> You sound like me with like my almost famous vinyls. How it's like, okay, so I have like the super deluxe, you know, three, um, the six disc vinyl, right? And they are, you know, red, orange, and yellow. But then Target had an exclusive one and that was pink and purple. And I was like, well, I know that the same songs are kind of on both. Less songs are on the Target one, but they're pink and purple. So I have to buy them. Right. So I did. So I have like every, every version of the almost famous record that you could possibly have also i just have to give a shout out since we're talking about vinyl i did um score a holy grail this past week mm -hmm. um or i should say last week i have in my possession one of the three hundred thousand band bon jovi slippery on wet album covers wow. that only went over to japan you... i have it with the original obi <sighs> You you told me about that, and I was like, banned. And then you showed me the, the cover, and I'm like, okay, I can see why in that, that time period that would have been banned. Well, John was like, we cannot have a pink album cover. He was like so anti-pink, and he was mm -hmm. like, why do we make it pink? And they're like, oh, well, it matched the girl's nail polish. And then he got all upset. So then they had one day to, to fix it, and he was just like, you know what? Screw this. So he took a hefty bag, sprayed water on it, and wrote slippery and went with his finger, and that became it. But those 300,000 copies were sent to Japan. And now I have one. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, I think that's really cool. Like, that is, see, that's the collector thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
it's like I, you know, it, it, I, I'm totally there with you. Variant covers on comic books, uh, chase figures, and you know, different waves of action figure stuff. I'm totally there. Yeah, like when like, you oh, this is a misprint. Oh, I need that. Yes, yes. Like, oh, they stuck this figure in this package. Oh, well, this is this is absolutely. <laughs> but when something is officially recalled or banned, so to speak, um, like that. I mean, like that's a pretty that is a holy grail. That's a substantial deal. So, right. So yeah. I'm extremely stoked about that. Also, um, to, to just shout out one more vinyl that I got that's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> We need to make this like a visual podcast so I could show all of these oh, things. Oh, we do. You know what? If we didn't play so much copyrighted music, we could just go straight to YouTube. I know. Maybe we need to do some that we don't play music on and we just like talk about certain we, topics. We could do that. Right? But like, so I got this vinyl, which uh, probably will be relevant to nobody listening, but who knows? You never know. Um, by a band called Armor for Sleep. And they were a band that came out in like the whole emo scene. They're from Jersey. And they have this record, their first record, um, called What to Do When You're Dead. And it is, it's an incredible concept album. It's so good. But the whole thing is about like this spirit that kind of floats through like the afterlife or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the album that I just got is a clear vinyl, but the center is like this green ghostbustery blob, right? And that's supposed to be like the spirit's ectoplasm. And oh, I'm wow. like, this is so cool. That's crazy, yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know what else they they do on on the uh, they've done on some of the the vinyl re-releases for Star Wars soundtracks is there's some kind of weird technology that when you get it spinning, there's literally like a hologram that comes up off the the record. Ooh. Yeah, it's that's I insane. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I don't know what it is, but it's it's some type of thing that like it it actually shimmers like a hologram up there. So. Yeah, it's amazing what they're doing with vinyl these days, and it makes me... Now you've talked me into it. I guess I'm going to have to... Uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in there to, to Haley when we're done. I'm going to be like, let me show you this. These, these, I'm just going to apologize to Haley off the bat. Well, the thing is, is these are actually pre-ordered, and they're coming out on January 7th 20, okay. of, of you know 2022. So if I'm like, hey, how about pre-order birthday present? <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge yeah yeah and then i'll go look for a you know a, a turntable and be done with it um not that i can't just fire up my computer and have all of these songs ready to roll at my fingertips you know but that's not <laughs> so, the point no it's not the point it the point is <laughs> it's a green purple and blue vinyl the problem is the purple vinyl i don't really care for that album too much but the oh, blue but you need to complete the trilogy. I know, but the blue vinyl is really good. And I and I'm sitting here thinking, why are they only doing three? There's so many more they need to be doing. Maybe we'll see, maybe once they release these, they'll see how they do, and yeah. then maybe they'll release more. Yeah, it's a really interesting it's called Girder is the website. I don't know what the deal is with it, but it like it's just a bunch of like Christian rock bands. And they and they've got CD releases and and vinyl releases. There's some uh, there's some Striper here. There's some classic Ooh. Striper, yeah. And then there's all these other guys that I know that I, like, I listened to in the '90s, and I'm like, oh wow, I remember. See, that. Steve, you need to download the Discogs app Ooh. because that is a dangerous app because literally you can buy and sell vinyl on it, and it essentially like evaluates your vinyl collection. 
and tells you how much it's worth. So no, I like, don't. I don't. I have I have my vinyl collection right now. My vinyl collection is worth up to fifty two hundred dollars. Okay, look, I I need to explain to you something about my obsessions. <laughs> I don't I don't need you enabling. That's what I don't need. <laughs> That's, I didn't come here to be enabled. I'm just saying, it's really great. I have a watch list. I'm watching until certain records get down to a certain, you know, monetary value that I'm comfortable spending. I'm yep. just saying, it's yep. really great. Yeah, uh, listen, I, that's the line. You're, you're speaking a language that I absolutely know. It's just with a different, are you listening to this? I'm sorry, my wife just walked in and she's kind of like. <laughs> I see her in the chat. <laughs> and, she, and she just showed me around room and says, where are you going to put this stuff? Because I have no room for anything. So, yeah. Anyway, so here we. So now that I've been enabled and encouraged, uh, we'll we'll get going here. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into Hydra. Also, real quickly, I want to say, Chris, and I thought about you the other day because there's this movie out with Matt Damon called Stillwater. Okay. And for the briefest second, I thought, is this a sequel to Almost Famous? Um, <laughs> I die. <laughs> Stillwater. I know that. Where's that? Why is that name so familiar to me? Stillwater kids doing drugs. Mm. That's right. So, <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is happening here? Stillwater. Matt Damon wasn't an almost famous. Matt Damon doesn't play music. That was Brad Pitt that was almost an almost famous. That's Not right. Matt Damon. Yeah. Get it right, Stillwater. And then <laughs> some kind of other movie. Um, you can't just throw that name around. That's right. Exactly. I expect to hear Love Comes and Goes and Fever Dog. <laughs> By the way, by the way, I love, I think you should always try to just casually throw in the name, the words fever dog in any conversation, but not like excitedly, not like, Ooh, ooh, ooh you got to listen to it. Just like, well, you know, it's just like fever dog and just, that guy's just a little fever dog. Yeah, he's there. got a little fever dog going over. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, don't threaten me with a good time. I will do it. Well, yeah, of course you should. It's it's uh it, it's like throwing in random Star Wars quotes just for the fun of it. Exactly. So, also on another note, one more quick note before we get in the high and dry, as we do, I got a text um the other day. Dragon Con was this past weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. I was seeing some pictures. Yeah, and I got a text from a friend of mine, Michael Bailey. Uh, and he's standing backstage with Laura Vandervoort, who played Supergirl in Smallville. Supergirl. Sam Witwer. Oh, Doomsday, all right. Yeah, and Tom effing Welling. Oh, my God. I mean, I saw the one picture someone posted of them and Tom Welling, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, well, John, Eddie Lowe and them did, but this dude was, and I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. And he said, I'm moderating the Smallville panels. Oh, my God. I don't listen. Listen. Where were you? I'm so happy for my friend Michael Bailey. But I'm sitting here thinking, like years ago, Derek and I actually met in person at Dragon Con to do yes. some Terminator panels and a Smallville panel. There were no actors on those panels. There was no. It was just all fan stuff. And 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 I'm just thinking. Look, I'm not saying I should be there now because, you know, Derek and, and the rest of the guys over at Starkville House of Ale who are, who are doing that now are, you know, they're doing the, the Superman show. And also he's been doing this oral history of, of Smallville and stuff. 
Yeah. And I'm like, those are the people you should have invited in to do. I love Michael Bailey. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't like Smallville when it was airing. He had to come around years later. And oh, so, you know, I'm not calling him out for his. I know. I know. And, and so I'm not, I'm having a hard time not being jealous, but you know, I'm also <laughs> grown up. So, you know how it goes. Also, by the way, um, this weekend Dragon Con happened and also the Struts played in Atlanta and there were people that were dressed up in cosplay really? from Dragon Con that went to see the Struts and met the Struts. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look, I, I, any other time I would go to Atlanta to see the Struts. But during, but not during Dragon Con. <laughs> Dragon Con, it happens on the same weekend as like college football's opening weekend, and it's all right down there downtown Atlanta, and at the at the Mercedes Dome, at the Mercedes Benz Stadium, and and right there down the road is Dragon Con, and then when you throw in concerts and other stuff, it is a madhouse. Ugh. Yeah. It's like when a baseball game and a football game and a concert all happen in one go in yeah. Philadelphia because yeah. they all happen in the same little spot. Yeah, it's it's just a madhouse, and I have no desire. It was hard enough getting around for the Bruce concert back that February several years <laughs> ago. So. It was so good, though. <laughs> totally worth it. So, <laughs> all right. Well, look, let's, uh, let's get into this thing. It is Def Leppard. It's high and dry. Released in 1980, what? One. One. July 6th, 1981. Nin that's, I did my math. 1981. <laughs> and uh, as we said already, produced uh, by Mutt Lang. Mm -hmm. And um, I have the story. Do you want me to give you the story of how Mutt Lang yeah, came Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that's a good opening up. Let's do it. So Mutt saw Def Leppard open for I forget who that's the one thing that's annoying about these live things that they do is that you can only watch them through for 20 or for 48 hours um but I forget what band exactly that uh Def Leppard was opening for and Mutt saw them and their producer said to them said to Mutt afterwards like hey you know what did you think and he said I think they are a diamond in the rough and they and the producer or the manager was like mm, I mean that's a pretty high compliment coming from uh, Mutt Lang so when they were ready to start working on High and Dry the producer reached out oh my god I keep seeing the producer the manager reached out to Mutt and said hey you know what's your schedule like would you want to produce Def Leppard and he said yes wow, wow. and thus began a very long partnership with Mutt Lang and Def Leppard I want, I want to read a, a quote here. It says, Mutt saw the band's potential by witnessing them live and described them, as you said, diamonds in the rough that he could shape and polish. By smoothing off the more angular edges of the band's Judas Priest and Thin Lizzy influences mm. into radio-friendly rock, he did exactly that. Boom. See? There you go. I so, retain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, this is, the, this, is old, this is the opening track. It's Let It Go. Full disclosure, I missed a whole guitar lick there. Let's start it over. Let's get the full <laughs> let's get the full experience. Here we go. This is let it go.
driving guitar, powerful big opener, little dirty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take a rocket science to, to figure out what it's about. Yeah, little, little, <laughs> little, uh, little vulgar. <laughs> um. But you know what I love? So okay, there is a Def Leppard bootleg, um, that I do own on vinyl called When the Walls Came Tumbling Down, which is from New Theater in Oxford on April 26, 1980. And what is crazy about this vinyl and this bootleg is that there are songs that you will be listening to and you'll be like, that's Let It Go. That's mm-hmm. Rock Rock Till You Drop, but under different names. Oh, so wow. Th- yeah, so this song was originally called When the Rain Falls. And... And it's not the exact same song, but it's the exact same guitar um, and like just certain pieces here and there. But the whole thing with Mutt Lang was Mutt was like, you guys got to be more anthemic. You got to keep things simple. Like, let's not overcomplicate things. Like when the rain falls, what is that? So like he was like pushing them to come up with a more anthemic chorus mm-hmm. and they came up with like, OK, let it go. And they were like, Mutt's like, perfect, simple, to the point. Let's see what we got. And then they wrote this song. Wow. Um, and I, they still play this song to this day. Yeah. And I'll tell you who, who took a took a page out of their book a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Quiet Riot. Oh, yeah. I mean, the opening... <laughs> listen, the opening of Metal Health... Parentheses, bang your head. Um, dun, dun. It, it has that It has that same kind of feel. I'm an... Axe grinder, pile drive. Like, it really does sound this, like it, it's almost like they aped Def Leppard. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And think about it. I, like, Metal Health and Pyromania, I'm pretty sure they came out both in 1983, but I'm pretty sure very close in 1983 and we're mm-hmm. kind of, you know, battling in the charts. So, very interesting. Right. Yeah. It, it, I just, I get a, I get that every time I hear let it go, I get that vibe. I'm like, this is, this sounds like metal health. Bang your head. Or is it bang your head? The album is metal health. Yeah. And the, the song, the song is, is bang, bang your head or bang metal your health, head. bang your head. Right. Okay. I don't, it, I don't know. Anyhow, I'm just <laughs> telling you, that's, that's what I feel. So it's a good opening song, a little vulgar for my taste, you know, but you know, it, it is, I love the guitar licks. <clears throat> that they open up with and and it still has like honestly if you're if you're saying that not you but like let's say a listener saying that the polished Def Leppard is pyromania hysteria in forward this has still got a little good little rough on it yes you know this is this is this is where you got that and this this does still have the very you know, still locked in that seventies early. Of course, it's, it is the early eighties, but still locked in that seventies classic rock kind of sound and feel. Yeah, like very much. I mean, I know they hate being associated with this movement, but like very much like new wave of British heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that like this is why they were you know tagged into that genre because yeah. of albums like this. Yeah, well, so it's a good start, but uh, they keep it going with another hit and run.
So this album's just hitting you in your face right off the gate. I mean, like these first two tracks. Yeah, it's no joke. It's so it's so freaking good. And like this song, I feel like is kind of like that freight train. Like mm-hmm. it just has that very ACDC like chugging yeah, along kind yeah. of vibe to yep, it. Yep. Yep. And like I love like when they do like the breakdown like you know after like kind of towards the end of the song where mm-hmm. it kind of slows down it's a bit more like spacey um, and then you know you have like the whole word Joe's like you got no respect no respect and then you know and you hit me when I'm down it's so freaking good and it just like builds back up oh it's freaking great <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> guitar solo we gotta hear. It. I mean, this is this is what I think of when I think of the devil's music, like, <laughs> like just this hard hitting, just kind of scary. The just it, it's not letting you up. Well, here's the part yeah. you're talking about. This very much sounds like polished. You know what they're headed toward that, that quote unquote polished sound. I mean, incredible. Yeah, yeah, and and two also just so definitively eighties as well. Like yes. I, it's eighty one, of course, and you know, but but especially there the that that moment, you know, where they bring it back in and everything. There's something about the the what whatever filter they've got their guitar going through, whatever distortion they've got on, and everything is just such a definitively eighties guitar sound for rock and roll, and um. And and to the point that I can see, you know, the members only jackets and the hair and, and I, you know, like literally, you know, you can, it just, it's, it, it's such a, it's such a cool, just like I say, in your face, in your face song. Um, you know what? Like I love too. like this song, I always have a really fond memory of because the first time I saw Def Leppard live, um, April 8th, 2003 mm. at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, <laughs> They opened with side A of this record. Wow. And that was before like Setlist FM and like any of these websites that you could like see what the setlist was beforehand. So like they played Let It Go and I was like dying. I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm dying. So good. <laughs> and then they go into this and I'm like freaking out. Now obviously this is like a little bit of like, you know, an, an album track. It's a deep cut. It wasn't a single off the record. Um and I was just like freaking out, like jumping up and down, singing every word. And like the dude that was next to us was like, hell yeah, you know this song? And like was high-fiving me. Because <laughs> I'm like, yes, hi, I am obsessed. I know every song they've ever done. They could play any song that they have in their catalog and I would know it. 
Well, but I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm I'm legit high. I'm I'm 13, but I got this. Right, I'm a real fan. I know I know that shocks you and everything. I'm here for the music. Um, and I'm assuming on the on the guitar solos that because that was some amazing uh, guitar work there. I'm assuming that's Steve. Um, well, it's interesting because they actually talk about like they talk about Steve mm-hmm. so much in that retrospective. Like there were times where like I got like a little emotional because I'm just like, oh, like he was just so talented and so unique in how he would craft songs. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the songs where they were like quintessential Steve Clark. Like there's a few songs that they are like quintessential Steve Clark. And this was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um, it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Now uh, let's see. I pulled up something here. I pulled up the wiki for this just to make sure I'm I'm on everything. But it <laughs> says the first solo is Steve, and then the second is is um, Pete Willis. So Pete, yeah. And this, I mean, this is Pete's swan song. I mean, he plays on Pyromania, but mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Phil came in and redid a lot of that right. stuff. So this is like your last, like true, tried and true yeah. Steve Clark, Pete Willis guitar duo. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, it look, it's good stuff. Like there's no getting around. That's some that's some good mess. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> that brings it's tasty. That's right. It is. It is. That's a yeah. It is tasty. Not that we use that kind of that, that kind of language around here. We're not we're not that hip to the groove. Um, but the, that brings us to the uh, to the titular song of the album, High and Dry itself. such an amazing thing to listen through this album and it, and it is every time I do it I, I don't I don't revisit this album a lot mm-hmm. but when I do I'm just always amazed at just how you can just see where Mutt Lang's wanting to take this group yes um, and this is one of those songs where if this were if this were two albums later if this song for whatever reason were on hind or were on hysteria um, you just look and you're like that would there would be so much more happening in the production, even of that opening little riff and everything. Like there'd be some more echo, there'd be a little bit more, just a little bit more tweaking and and sweetening up of the sound, and 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 Joe's vocals would be lost a little bit, you know, in the in the mix. But he he's way out front and center on this. Yeah, um, he is. <laughs> which is and fine. This is his- or his second least favorite song on the record. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and it's fine that he's out there, but, like, if you think of how it's produced later on, like, 
he does it. It's very raw vocals. Like it, it's, you know, it dry in a lot of ways. There's very little reverb on it. There's very little working to make it sound like it's a big sound. Like this is, this is very much a studio sound right here. And, um, it's, it's just, it's really interesting because like, you know, where they're going with their sound now looking back, but I can, you know, as far as just a rock song goes, this has got everything you need a rock song to have. It's got, it really it's got driving chord work. It's got a good beat. You know, you can kind of throw your head up and down to it and everything and, and try to sing along. I always think of in the music video for this, which is just like a live video, but like when they get to the first chorus, it's just like a bunch of dudes just like head banging against the stage. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, that is so freaking appropriate. <laughs> they also talked about in the retrospective how they were like, they at one point they got on this kick where they were like, we are going to do this song every Saturday night. Like, that's what we're going to do. It's just going to be our thing. And then they, they were like, yeah, that lasted like a month. They're so <laughs> and clever. Then everybody was like, no, we're not doing that. They're so clever. Um, the the thing is, like you mentioned on, um, on another hit and run, how it had kind of an ACDC feel to it, you know, just kind of that freight mm -hmm. train. To me, the simplicity of these chords and the driving nature of it and and that vocal up front, almost screaming vocal, really has more of an ACDC feel than even Hit and Run does. I mean, yeah, because um, it just, like, it's what, it's just, it is that same driving thing, but it's been three punches to the face on this album yeah. so far. And I mean, well, think about it. Like, when does Bla Black and, oh my God, Back in Black comes out in 80, right? And that's another Mutt Lang produced record oh really is back in black 80 i feel like it is I it was, I, let's, let's i'm not look. I, I, I defer to your knowledge i guess i always looked at it as i thought it was later in in time uh, da, 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 da. july 25th 1980 yes so, wow so it again like it kind of does make sense like you know that there is so much acdc in there and like that was always an influence for def leopard anyway but something that like joe has always said with like working with mutt is that like they were like a ball of clay that mm. Mutt could literally just mold whatever he wanted out of them because they were so eager and they were so young. Like Rick Allen is, I think like 17 when this album is made, like a baby still. <laughs> so I think Joe was the oldest at 21. So like you had these really eager dudes that mm -hmm. just wanted to, you know, do their thing, right, but right. were open to trying new things, which obviously when we get to Pyromania and Hysteria, you really see that, how they completely yeah. have their trust in Mutt Lang and are willing to try so much different, you know, techniques and ways of doing things that maybe a more established band like an ACDC or like a Foreigner wouldn't want right, to do. Right, Well, you know, they, they pull off the Star Wars of albums, basically. Star Wars for the years, baby. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, and this is one of those that honestly sound like it should, this is the track to me that sounds like it should be on one of those albums. Um, yes. the, the way it, the way it rocks. This is, uh, this is bringing on a heartbreak. Or <laughs> Sitting, looking 
had to let that guitar talk a little bit there. Oh, I mean, that Steve Clark guitar. Like, yeah. I feel like Steve kind of has that signature sound where, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's that's Steve playing. In a, in a lot of ways, he does. I agree with you. And after his death, I mean, it couldn't have been anyone but Phil who, you know, stepped up and actually was able to fill those shoes as much as he could. Um, I mean, like, think about it. Like, there's that infamous clip of Phil talking about, like, finishing Adrenalize, and he was like, I had to record Steve's parts like Steve, and he was like, it felt like a ghost was in the room playing these things for me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 wild. The production of this song, though, like I say, you get into, you, you get into that sense of, like, being in a bigger hall, you get the sense of the... the the harmonies are all coming together so well. It's that that Def Leppard sound that becomes so popular. You know, the the that's one thing I don't know that these guys get enough credit for is, you know, obviously they're no Eagles singing "There Are Stars in the Southern Sky," but <laughs> but they have a really tight harmonic vocal thing going on. Yeah, um, and here's the crazy thing too, Steve, with this record that again they talked about in that retrospective like harmonies were not even a thought to them on this record because the only guy that was willing to sing at this point was rick savage mm. so like in the studio you have some more of those gang vocals and you can kind of like layer them because you know it's not so much the whole live right, or, you right. know there's that kind of anxiety but at this point Rick Savage was the only one doing those backing vocals. Wow. Crazy, right? Crazy. Yeah. And like, I mean, the story that, you know, any Def Leppard fan that, you know, has is crazy like us will have heard, but you know, you have to talk about it on a podcast about high and dry. Like this is Joe's like this was the moment, like his breaking point in the studio when creating this record. Because Mutt kept being like, you have to go higher, you have to go higher, you have to keep pushing. Like, no, do it again, do it again. And Joe got so frustrated to the point where he was just like, I don't know what you want from me. And he stormed out and he went into the studio next door, which is where White Snake was recording an album. And mm. David Coverdale was recording <laughs> the vocal tracks. And he watched David Coverdale do a, a song in one take. And he was like, wow. I'm hopeless. This is awful. Why did I do this to myself? And like David Coverdale basically sat him down and was like, come here, my son. And like just poured him brandy upon brandy upon brandy, made him super drunk. He went home for the night, came back super hungover the next day, but with like an entirely new attitude of course. and nailed the take. Of course he did. Well, that's, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Coverdale. Right? I mean, always, always David Coverdale, yeah. the voice. <laughs> I mean, I would also, if I was a singer and saw David Coverdale do a, do a like a back then. Oh, do a, yeah. Like, there'd be one no, take, like, are you kidding? Yeah, I'd be, I'm done. My, my career's <laughs> over. I'm just gonna go home, guys. Yeah. Like, I, I can't do it. Not only am I gonna go home, I'm probably gonna just gonna go home and cry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm done. The the beauty of what I've just heard. Just, it, well, I take you. It's it's one of my favorite stories from one of my good friends of all time, who played uh, some baseball in college. And he told me about the day he realized that he wasn't going to be able to go pro. And you think about going pro. It's such a slim chance that anybody who plays baseball, even if you make it to the collegiate level, would ever be able to go pro. Yep. And he said, I saw a guy make a catch that I knew I could never make. 
And that's the day I realized I'll never be pro. And I went home and cried. And I laugh. At, I laugh at him. It's terrible. I'm a terrible friend because I just start laughing. I'm, I'm always like, tell me that story again. Tell, relive your, <laughs> relive your most relive painful memory for me. In your life for me. Because I just couldn't imagine anyone thinking I'm going to be a pro baseball player. I can't imagine that because I've never thought of myself. I could do something professionally like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's my problem. I've never thought, hey, I'd be a a super successful podcaster. Uh, Mediocrity is the the has always been my aim. But, uh, but yeah, I can, uh, anytime I see anyone doing what I do better than I do it, it just, it does not encourage me to try harder. It always is like, it well, encouraged you to quit. Yeah. It's like, well, there's no sense in this. Why would I even keep on? <laughs> They're better than me. People can go get it from them. I'll um, never be them. That's right. And so, and thus I'm bringing on the heartbreak. Um, mm. so. <laughs> or as it was originally called a certain kind of heartache. Oh. And again, Mutt said no. No, thank you, Mutt, for that. A certain kind of heartache. A certain <laughs> kind of heartache. Mm-mm, it just doesn't work. It doesn't flow. It doesn't work at all. Um, this is an instrumental track, mainly, isn't it? Coming yes. up. Yes. Yeah. This is Steve Clark's baby. Mm. Well, let's give it a listen. Six, switch 625. I get lost in that. It's so good. It it's like it's interesting because um like this song they always say that they picture like Breaking on the Heartbreak and Switch as 
like one song oh. like at the end of Layla how like you have that piano outro that's like another separate instrument instrumental piece right but if you don't hear it on Layla you're like that's kind of weird so like every single time they play bring it on the heartbreak they always play switch afterwards mm. Um, okay, here's it, here's the problem. I, I, this is how lame I am. I did not go to Layla immediately when you said that. What did you say? What I did went, you go to? I went to Chicago's um, Hard to Say I'm Sorry and Get Away. There you go. Yeah. See, I mean, but you knew what I meant. I did. I did, but I, I was like, but I'm embarrassed because I love Layla. I'm <laughs> I mean, honestly, Layla is the one that Joe mentioned, so that's why right. I mentioned it. Well, I guess I thought Hard to Say I'm Sorry because Layla slows down. Hard to yes. say I'm sorry, that pumps up. So it's like goes from a slow song like Bring It On Heartache to switch to switch and then and Hard to Say I'm Sorry goes to that getaway and it, it just kinda of pumps up and um but yeah, it is weird not to hear them together because radios will just fade out hard to say I'm sorry. Yeah, you know? it's like no, don't yeah, don't do that. Why going. are you doing that? Yeah. Um and this like usually in the live performances, like they will have sometimes it's during this and sometimes it's during hysteria, um, where they do like a little like montage on mm. all their video screens, like including Steve and of Steve playing live. And yeah. they had some really awesome footage in the retrospective that I had never seen before. And I was like, Oh my God. Like it's just so it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um so like that always gets me. Um, but they also talked about one of like the fan questions was like, why is it named switch six twenty five? And I was like, Ooh, this is actually a good question. Like, I don't think I know this or maybe I did at one point and I just, it, you know, left my brain, but I was like, I don't think I know this. And essentially like they were just, they had a friend that was just writing titles, like mm -hmm. writing fake, you know, song titles. And one, I think it was switch six two four. And they were like, Hmm, we kind of like that, but they were like, Joe was like, uh, 624 is like, that sounded good. He's like, but I wanted to make it like a round number. So we did it to 625 and that's why it's called switch 625. Huh. Like just a total random happenstance. Yeah. But an epic guitar solo. I'll be honest with you. I was like, maybe this has something to do with the pedal he was using or I was, I was analyzing. I would analyze. I, that's my thought. I was thought it was something to do with the equipment that he was using. I mean, playing. but that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's logical. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but let me tell you, I like it because oftentimes when you get like uh, an instrumental um, from a rock band, a lot of times it is, it's just a lot of look what I can do. Finger, it's almost like a bunch of finger warm ups strung together. Yes. You know, and look how fast I can go. This has a melody to it. It almost is like there should be lyrics somehow. Um, but it it's it, it's also it, I just like I said I got lost in it and I do get lost in it when it's played because you're just kind of bopping along with it and you're like you're totally getting the groove you're getting the tune it has that eighties feel it almost is like he was writing it for a movie yeah know? right mm -hmm. yeah and so it <sighs> I I really that's that's the reason I dig it so. Just sometimes you just sit there and you're like, oh, like what would we have gotten out of you? Yeah. If if you if you lived. Yeah. Substance abuse is a is a bad thing, kids. Mm-hmm. So don't don't deprive the world of your talents and abilities. God, I can't. I I need to go to his grave. I need to find <laughs> out when I'm when I can go to his grave. <laughs> I have to pay my respects and listen mm. to six switch six twenty five while like you know sitting next to his grave. Mm. 
Well, let's flip the tie. Let's flip the album over. Yeah. And get into old side B. Ah! Old side two. The underrated. The underrated B side. The underrated B side. Now, Kristen, I, I, I want to think. I, I feel like. Um, do I know? Is Mirror Mirror your song off of this? Oh my, yes, it is. Okay, I felt like I knew that. I don't know. <laughs> that and Lady Strange. Oh my God. Maybe maybe we've talked about it before, but anyhow, um, this is this is you got me running. Make sure my volume's up over here. I don't want to don't want to prove any one of the dulcet sounds. Here we go. fun little jam i love this this song is so different from everything else on this record i feel yeah um they talk a lot in the retrospective about joe's vocals in this song joe's like i don't even have that in my register like i don't even know how i sang this he's like i almost sound like joe cocker at some yes yes like, if you played this for somebody and, like, they didn't know that nope. this was Def Leppard and you were like, hey, play this, who, who do you think this is? I don't think people would be like, oh, yeah, Def Leppard. Yeah, it does. You're right. It does. And it, it almost sounds like, again, it if it is them, it's very, it's it sounds like very early them, like even pre this album or pre On Through the Night or whatever. It is, it is, this is a, this is a unique sound for Def Leppard. Yeah. And something else that I think is unique with this too, like we've talked about with Def Leppard before, like Def Leppard isn't like a Bruce Springsteen or a Bon Jovi where like their lyrics are like storytelling, right? right? Like this has a little bit more of like that almost traditional lyrical quality where you're like, all right, yeah, we're telling a story. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can follow like kind of like where we're going here. It makes sense. Running from a psycho woman, yeah. Yeah, and not to go back to bring on the heartbreak but i didn't mention this um something again in the retrospective that was brought up was 
Joe talks about the lyric, gypsy sitting looking pretty. Mm. And he says that, like, they purposely left that very nondescript so anybody could picture, like, what their gypsy sitting looking pretty is. Mm. And he says, like, to this day, he can see her, but he cannot see her face. And he's like, I hope before I die, I can see the face of the gypsy sitting looking pretty that I envision. And again, like in this song, it's like that total opposite. Like this song is descriptive. Right, right. <laughs> they had someone in mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's got them running. That's right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. There's nothing scarier than a than a crazy woman you got to run from. <laughs> so. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Well, here you go. This is uh, this was the this was the other this was the title you shouted out after I said mirror mirror. Oh, um, so good. This is Lady Strange. And I enjoy classic rock and roll music so much. <laughs> it's like meat and potatoes, right? It really is. And and this song is just classic rock in a, in so many ways at its finest. The 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 guitar work, the the driving rhythm of it, the 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 the, the just right amount of distortion on it, just the the kind of the just a turn out, turn it. You know, it's just this is this is so good. And what I think is really fun with this song, like Def Leppard's always very referential, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you have a song like Rocket that references like all of their influences. Right. Um, and this song, they were like, yeah, it's so when we wrote it, it's about a strange lady, but we didn't want to call the song strange lady. That's kind of dumb. So they were like, well, David Bowie has lady stardust and lady grinning soul. So why oh, don't nice. we call it lady strange? Well, and I'm fun. like, oh my God, like only like my favorite ever Bowie's lady grinning soul oh my god um and fun fact one i think the only song on the album that rick allen has a writing credit on oh wow yeah yeah, yeah for sure he does looking at it right now um so and it you is don't the only see one. that often in def leppard no also i want to say this like this song if you tweaked just slightly in one direction this song could be a southern rock song 
I could see that, yeah. Like, it absolutely fits right in the pocket of this era of music. And it, I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much, as I listen to it. I'm like, I could see Leonard Skinner doing mm. Lady Strange. You know, and I don't mean that. That would be an interesting cover. Well, and, and here's the thing, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, like, it, this just has such that classic rock appeal where where if you go in one direction with just a little more twang here or there, you're Southern rock. If you push it the other way, you know, there's a moment here where Joe just kind of, wow, you know, does that it thing. Does. You push it a little bit further in that direction, and you are like, I mean, obviously it's heavy metal, but you are heavy metal, you know. And and this just hits a sweet spot for me, sound-wise. Well, and it's funny, too, because we've talked a lot about, like, bar music on our show in the past. Like, what's a good song, like, that you would put on at a bar? Yeah. And, like, when me and my best friend Andrea, when we went to Dublin, we found this killer rock bar that was, like, so awesome. Mm -hmm. And they had this jukebox that was to die for. And, like, believe me, when I say I went in there and I put money in to play Lady Strange and Mirror Mirror and you got me running. Like, I was literally, like, just chugging that thing full of Jeff Leppard and then like Andrew was putting in like Slayer and stuff like that oh wow but we were like sitting there in the bar having like the time of our lives drinking like our gin and tonics like just oh it was so good that's like one of my favorite memories and like just to hear Lady Strange in a freaking bar yeah like yeah oh it was so but good but it works though like it it I can see where it works as a song for a bar like that because it is it like I say it's just the it, I'm so, the, 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 there's something about the guitar riffs and and everything, and I don't think this is Steve on this. I think it's more. I think this is more driven by um, Pete, isn't it? No, I this think song. it's the opposite. Oh, I think it's I think it's Steve. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> you're right. Not, not you're, no, you're right. You're right. I'm looking now. I was looking at the writers, and it had Pete listed first among the writers. Um, yeah, the solos is all Clark. It's all Steve. Yeah. Which also, speaking of writers, again, one of the questions that came up in this retrospective, um, the singer Matt Nathanson, who sings like, is kind of just like, you know, a singer songwriter kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, but he is like a huge Def Leppard fan and a huge metal fan, but specifically Def Leppard. And he was asking them why certain songs, like why the writing credits are the way they are. Um, and Joe was like, I have no idea. He's like, all I can think of is that maybe like I would be at the end because I handled a lot of the lyrics and then like song wise it's like okay whoever's first wrote the majority of the song second is like you mm -hmm. know after the first I was like that's interesting because like all the songs in this record like it is very jumbled up in terms of the order yeah, that they yeah. are placed in and I was like see I can appreciate a fellow music geek that's like yeah so uh why are the uh the last names in the songwriting credits the way that they are explain because right. that is some crap that I would do well I would just assume it's it really is on on how they worked on it like you know who who contributed and when so anyway, right yeah. so, and I, but I didn't know that the person that does the majority of the lyrics is usually last I thought that was interesting yeah oh yeah well to me that makes sense it depends on how they write it like if you're doing, because some people will write the lyrics first and then write music to match those lyrics. And then some people mm -hmm. just come up with a song and then they'll put the lyrics in with the music. And then sometimes it's a mishmash. But he, yeah, Joe is last on every one of these, isn't he? I as think I'm look, so. I'm, I'm looking at the vinyl and it looks like that. As I'm pulling up, yeah, I've got the I've got the wiki. The only one, and of course Steve's the only writing credit on Switch 625. Mm. But yeah, other than that, Joe is the last name on it. <laughs> 
every one of them there. So, <laughs> Elliot, 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 yeah. Elliot. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that was Lady Strange, which I really dig. I need to have that in heavier rotation in my life than I do. Yes! Um, I really do. It, it's It's got such a good, good classic rock feel to it. Um, and I'm going to say, let's be honest about I want to be honest about this album. Outside of Bringing on a Heartbreak, this album has not really let you up to breathe. Absolutely not. So <laughs> it is a hard rocker. Yeah, and I like stuff like that. Like I am I am down, you know. And and to me, Bringing on the Heartbreak is a perfect rock ballad. You know, I have no problem with being on the album at all. I think it's great. Um, but there's just something about a, a an album that just will not let you up. And by the time you're li- you're through listening, you enjoyed it, but man, you are worn out. Um, but this and is even on even on side B, like yeah. there's no let up. Yeah, here. they haven't they haven't slowed down. So this is on through the night. This is another one, Kristen, to me that sounds like with just a little tweak, it could end up on the next album or the following album. Yeah, like it gives me, um, like there's a song on Hysteria called Run Riot, mm-hmm. and yep. this gives me a like this is what Run Riot, like if like you said, if this song was done on Hysteria, it's Run Riot. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great, and, and why wouldn't it be? But that is that is a great <laughs> analogy because that is uh, honestly, sincerely, I, I 100% agree with that. 
But it's it, just very like, and again, like talk about not letting up. Like this is probably what like the fastest song thus far on the record in terms of like pace that he's singing the lyrics, the, yeah, like, the yeah. song tempo in general, and and the way the guitar is is doing that that quick strumming. It's not it's not a lot of finger work, but it's like ding 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 ding. You know, it is a it's like a gallop, right? It's like an Iron yep. Maiden gallop. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And they so. The whole thing, like, of course, the question comes up, like, okay, well, your first album was called On Through the Night. Why right. is On Through the Night on your, why is a song called On Through the Night on your second record? And again, like, if you look at some of the albums that came out around this time, this was kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, If You Want Blood, You Got It was a song on an album, like, or was a song that came out after You Want Blood, You Got It. Like, it's just, like, a really weird phenomenon that happened at the time. And Mutt apparently hates title tracks. So that's why, mm. like, High and Dry is, like, Saturday night. So it's not, like, a complete right. title track. And he said, he was like, did you guys have a song called On Through the Night on the first record? And he then they were like, no. And he's like, I, I really like that name. Like, I think we should write a song called On Through the Night for this record. And thus the song is born. And thus it becomes such as. <laughs> as I, it is written, so it shall be done. I like it. I like it a lot. To uh, look, I'm. I want to say something here right now. I'm on Kristen's side. I think this is a very. If this is. If the B side of this album doesn't get a lot of love, that's everyone else's fault. It's not the B side of this album. No, the, the B side of this album is some of the most underrated songs I think in the Def Leppard catalog. <laughs> I think. I think people need to get over it. That's what it's I like, think. It's like flip that over, flip that, flip the vinyl over, guys. Yeah, Just flip it over. Give that it's thing fine. a give that thing a turn and a spin, <laughs> as it were. Well, here is the aforementioned um, mirror, mirror as we as we get ready to round out this album. I love the simple bass driving the back. Don't, don't, don't. It's don't, so don't, good. Don't. Um, this is the first you get of a little bit more of that bass yeah, driven Def yep. Leppard, which becomes very prevalent in later records. Sure, sure. I also really like. Mm, I like this song a lot. It's I great. really do. Yeah. There's something about the melody. When you're looking to us, that really is something I want it to go on into. Uh, Poison by Alice Cooper. 
I don't know why. Okay. I don't know why, but there's just something that makes me feel like it, it, it should be going into, but I just can't. I don't know. There's something that, the, I guess the notes are something like, I want to hear you, but I, and they want to look into us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, what a, what a great, great, again, to me, the thing that I come back to about this album is, and it, it cause it really does. It is classic rock. This sounds like this is the classic rock that I love, love, love uh, to hear on the radio, to to hear in in just about in any format. But like, based on the way it's produced and everything, like you you know, it just sounds great when you spin up a vinyl and it's got that that fun vinyl hiss behind everything that goes on, you know, and little pops here and there. It just yeah. it, it just has that gritty, fun, dirties, late seventies, early eighties feel. Because it's fun. I saw a meme the other day that was like what people think the 80s was like. And it showed basically like some kind of studio with bright colors and like angular designs all over the walls and stuff, you know. And almost like a, like something out of out of a Saved by the Bell episode, you know. Okay. And then, it, and then, the ne- and then next to it was a picture of what the 80s were really like. And it's like wood paneled walls. And that weird orangey <laughs> colored carpet, you know, and everything. And I'm like, that's totally true. <laughs> that was my 80s. That was my 80s. Just kind of a, it, it just felt like it was, the, you were still getting the grunginess of, you know, the 70s off of you. Because as much as we attribute disco to the 70s, there was still some nastiness that came out of the set. You know, like you just kind of felt like you're getting out of that green, that weird nasty green color. That was real popular in the seventies. That just I don't know, like Look, that avocado green, but yeah. not a nice avocado. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And this just <laughs> this brings me. But listen, here's the thing: magical time. Um, you know, I if if I could go back and do as an adult any 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 year, I would go back and do any time between eighty three and eighty five. Um. Mm. Just to I would be, just do the whole decade of the eighties. Sure, sure, you know. But I'm just saying, like, if you said, "Here's a, pick your year," I would be, I would have to be. All right, do I want to go do eighty three? Do I want to just jump on up to eighty five? Because like, you still, it's just, I don't know. There's, there's a real nostalgia I have for that time frame, and Aww. and and so. But then too, though, I wasn't listening to this music obviously as an eight year old kid. Um. But to that go, was my job, <laughs> right? But to go back and and just kind of be in this era, I just I don't know. I love this this style of music. I guess is what I'm saying. And Mirror Mirror to me, this whole B side is just absolutely just screamed classic rock to me and slapped me in the face with it with with just love and and, and appreciation. It is like it's like it's comfort food. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's very comforting. This uh, this side B and like something that I found interesting that I said to you, Steve, that you're like Kristen. You really need to mask your feelings. Is um, <laughs> every single one of the band members talked about how much they love this song and how much fun it is to play when they've played it at the Vegas residencies? And I'm like, then can we please just add it to a set list like yeah. just once so I can see it so I can die happy. Please. Let me let me clarify something. I don't think I told you to mask your feelings. I think I said was I wish you knew what you wanted out of life. Oh well, well same thing. But <laughs> because 
because I can't I can't do either. I can't mask my feelings, and I just can't help but show what I want out of life. Sure. And I really just want to hear Mirror Mirror live just one time. Yeah. I swear to God, eventually I'm going to end up going to one of these Vegas residency shows, and I'm going to see Dead Flatbird, and I'm going to hear songs like On Through the Night, and I'm just going to not be able to contain myself. Also, um, by watching this retrospect retrospective um it solidified to me that like after the stadium tour like the next time Def Leppard goes out which you know I'm thinking positively that that things will return to normal um I have to meet them have to have to yeah well I've told you yeah you you got you've got to do that before yeah like I can't go to the grave or have them go to the grave without acknowledging them in person (laughs) Well, I, I, I 100% agree. And if you don't, I'll be mad at you, as will all the listeners of this show. Right? I yeah. mean, damn. Like, I met Springsteen. Like, I never thought I would meet Springsteen. I got to meet Def Leppard. Yep. I, I, I 100% agree. And, and whatever we need to do to make that happen, let's do it. I will literally tell them. I'll be like, hi. Um, I wrote you guys a love letter when I was eight, and um, <laughs> it was eight pages, and you sent me back a autograph, and it's the great, it's my mo- it's one of my most prized possessions. So thank so you. you I still, love you. So you still have the autograph. I do still have the autograph, absolutely. Nice, nice. <laughs> and my favorite thing too is like that. So I sent that letter. So if I when I was eight, it was ninety eight. So that was you know Euphoria was coming out, like Slang had come out, and I wrote them. And the picture that that they sent back to me was an Adrenalize era picture, mm. and that made me so happy because obviously I'm a rocker. I love the long hair on the boys, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe they sent me an Adrenalize one. So. Yeah, I I do love them. Always have, always will. They have a very special place in my heart. And I've always said in terms of catalog, they might be the band with the biggest catalog that I like basically everything in their catalog. Like, I honestly can't tell you a Def Leppard album that I'm like, that sucks. You know what? We should put that to the test one day. I would love that. (laughs) We should. Because I'm thinking, I like... Just on on our conversations and doing this show alone, I think you're absolutely right. Right? Because think about it. Bon Jovi, I love Bon Jovi's Right. Right. But I love Bon Jovi from 1984 to 2001, and that's it. Yeah. Def Leppard, I still like all their stuff that they've put out. Right. Right up to to Def Leppard. Yeah. Their self-titled in 2015 was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how we would be able to test that theory, but I'm down to do it. I'm, d- I'm down to workshop it with you, Steve. Yeah, well, I, I I mean, I think it's as easy as like set, starting with like, all right, on through the night. How do you feel about that album? <laughs> Epic, incredible <laughs> debut. <laughs> Anything you don't like on that? Uh, no. Okay, see? And <laughs> thus we begin. On the next episode, <laughs> I mean, we're doing high and dry now. Yep. You know. <laughs> We've done de- we have we done Pyromania? We've definitely done Hysteria. We did Hysteria. We didn't do Pyromania. Okay. Um, so yeah. So we because Pyromania, yeah. Adrenalize, yep. retroactive, slang. Well, we Boy. know we know that for me Adrenalize is like special place in my heart. Yeah, um, I mean that's like your ultimate. We should do remember how we did the Bon Jovi ranking? We should do a Def Leopard ranking. Excuse me. The noise you hear is me grabbing the uh, the Marvel notebook. <laughs> the Marvel notebook. <laughs> I mean, Def Leppard ranking that. Ooh, that would be hard. 
Also, Def Leppard's been coming out with these box sets that, like, they're all on my Christmas list because I'm just like, oh, my God. And But, like, recently they came out with, like, um, it's, like, X, Yeah, um, Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. Like, mm-hmm. it's all of that yeah, era yeah, yep. of their stuff. And I'm like, even that era, which is where I would say, aside from the 90s, probably where they were the lowest commercially. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. Like, the song Love off Songs from the Sparkle Lounge still will, like, you know, bring me to tears. It, that song is so beautiful. Oh. They've got on on Amazon Music right now to stream X Yeah and Songs from the Sparkle Lounge as uh, 39 songs, two hours and a half. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and because when you get the box set, because again, we're talking about collector items, right? Mm-hmm. When you get the box set, they create the Death Leopard Triangle. So I'm like, oh my God, oh. I... <laughs> I need that. Just like yeah. somebody, um, I forget what website, but somebody released all the Def Leppard singles from Hysteria, and they uh, they all make Made up the Hysteria poster. album. Yeah. Yeah. And I have wanted that forever. So now I'm like, well, I need to get that. It's a hundred dollars. I need it. <laughs> Def Leppard rankings. Got it. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's round this thing out because I've got a I've got a six year old's birthday party to go to. So. <laughs> Let's uh, let's round this out with the final track on the album. No, no, no. Come on. The, I believe that this is the shortest song on the album, aside from Switch. Uh, yeah, maybe. Let me check the. Let me check the timestamps there. I, I feel like it's three thirteen. Yeah. Um. Let me get back to the actual album here and check those timestamps for you. And I can sure enough tell you this is three thirty. Uh, nope. Wait. Hold on. Yeah. Oh. This is three thirteen, and Woo! Switch and Switch is three oh three. Yeah. So aside from Switch, okay. Um, written by Rick Savage. Mm-hmm. my love in Death Leopard <laughs> because they were like he was like we don't have another song like get your rocks off like on on through the night like kind mm-hmm. of like a fast paced right. kind of punky yep. tune and he thought people that liked that song because that was a big song off on through the night mm-hmm. um, would be disappointed not to hear something like that on this record so they wrote no 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 and it's basically everybody's least favorite song on the album which is shocking to me because i love this song <laughs> I lo- it's again, probably it's super hard like for joe like, it's probably super it, for joe it's probably super hard to sing oh well yeah but still you don't have to sing it it just you, you know c- acknowledge you... that it's you know a good song <laughs> you don't have to sing it to like it joe 
I do love how, like, this song, so, like, this album literally ends, like, with the word no repeated, like, mm-hmm. like, 20 times. So it's so funny. And, like, this, because the song is so, like, hard-driving, fast-paced, punchy, when it ends, you're like, wait a minute, that's the end of the album? Like, again, you kind of expect to <laughs> right. go out right. on something a bit more mid-tempo, but yep. no. <laughs> mm not here. It listen. It's a song made to make you turn the album over and go on to the go on again. Absolutely. Like, it, it's 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 get on and ride the ride again, and uh, and that's really what that makes me think of when I hear that song as being the last thing. Is like, oh, well, the ride's over. Well, let's ride again. Let's start it over. Nothing's stopping us. Yeah. What what do we got to do? So yeah, it's it is a it's a hard hard way to end a, to you know to close out an album. And, and talk about again like sophomore slump. Like I know we've talked about doing that, where like evaluating yeah. like second albums to mm-hmm. see like what is and what isn't a sophomore slump. Yep. Um, de- this is definitely not because it is a hundred percent an upgrade from On Through the Night, which yeah. is still a great album, but it's a definite step up in the right direction, and the album's just incredible. And again, we talked about like, you know, the footwork, like laying the groundwork of where they would go on pyromania, hysteria, etc., And they just keep going up every single album. Like it's insane. I agree a hundred percent. I think that this, this album is definitely a step up from the previous one. And, uh, you know, obviously I think most people would attribute that to Mutt Lang stepping in to produce these guys. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, granted, they had their commercial success primarily, you know, following this and, and moving on up. But, I, you know, regardless of, you know, on this show, we obviously want to acknowledge commercial success. But at the same time, it's also like, how good is this album? Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the dealio there. So good stuff. Good stuff. Happy anniversary, 40 years to, uh, to high and dry, not that it can reciprocate those well wishes because you know it's an inanimate object. But it it, t- it says thank you to me every time I play it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I in turn say thank you to it. So <laughs> <laughs> I was not kidding when I said I've got a birthday party to get to. So we're going to get out of here. Um, you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. Rockoutloudpod at gmail dot com rockoutloudpod at gmail.com and we're rockoutloudpod on all the all the social medias we've got a facebook group rockoutloud podcast over there or you can just join us on the guardians of the goaliverse group get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group and uh and joining the conversation there with all kinds of stuff ranging from the music we love to the uh to the geeky stuff we love and beyond whatever a lot of times it's whatever hits people's fancy and, and we have the Big Honkin' Show to thank for that. By the way, Kristen, yeah, over on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud, I've been putting out what I'm calling the lost episodes of the Big Honkin' Show because for all intents and purposes, they were lost. Okay, yeah. And, and, um, and, and I'm going back through and editing and trimming some stuff down, you know, where I just played music for 15 minutes or so and, and just kind of, you know, getting the shows put out on Patreon for, for our Patreon supporters. And, uh, and it was an era where I was doing it at my house. It was after the radio show had ended the second time around. And uh, we're doing chat stuff and everything. And um, I think I'd just been turned on to Mixler at that point. 
and uh, every and Derek would call in every now and again in the mornings. But there's several times where I'm talking. I'm like, well, you know, shut up, Kristen says. Shut up, Kristen says. <laughs> and so there it was. And then That's somewhere me. somewhere along the way, you became Kristen from Jersey. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are so-and-so from such-and-such, and and I don't know if that's attributed to Jimmy in Georgia or what, but um, but I I was sitting there, I heard that, I'm like, I totally forgot she went by Shut Up Kristen. So, yeah. (laughs) Because I used to write for a magazine called Shut Up, so everything was Shut Up Kristen. That's right, that's right, so... Anyhow, that's it for us here. And uh, if you want to support us at Patreon, if you're in a position to do so, you help Kristen do things like watch live streams and stuff and, and, and bring us shows like this. So um, we appreciate that. You can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Use the Amazon links that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com to do your shopping at Amazon. We really appreciate you doing that as well. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Lady Strange. Oh, wait, Kristen. (laughs) Rock on, everybody.